Hello everyone and welcome back to Bald, Bold, and Gold. As always, I'm Alex Donovan and I'll be joined by my two very handsome co-hosts, Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. So in our glorious return episode, we dive into everything you need to know about the college football season and the 2023 Fighting Irish. As a slight programming note, the pot's going to look a little different this year, so after this initial preview episode with just the three of us, plan to be pretty heavy on guests, including some big-time guests you may have heard of. However, there are some slots to fill. If you'd like to be featured on an episode, please just DM Tom on Instagram. So, without further ado, let's get things rolling and talk some college football. But the good thing is, there will be football played in less than a month. Obviously, we're week zero, we're the marquee matchup, but everything really gets rolling. Labor Day weekend, um, you know, conferences are generally as we've known them in the past. A lot of good themes coming back this season, obviously. Yeah, Georgia looking the three-peat until anyone unseats them. I see it's going to be hard. But, you know, all things considered, I think it's, a, you know, at least a more wide-open season than normal. There's more question marks on the top teams. You can see a lot of dark horses coming up. You know, maybe NIL is flat in the playing field. I don't really think so. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Just high level, you know, what are you seeing this season? I love it. I think it'll be very exciting. Um It'll be a lot of newcomers under center for the for the best teams up there, which we be interesting to see, which adds some question marks, adds some excitement. I've looked at Georgia's schedule. They'll be around late in the season. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll be around. they got a weak schedule. Um, I hate seeing Michigan with three in front of them in um, this coach's poll. That's some BS. I want them to lose. But, I mean, I think we're in for an incredibly exciting season incredibly exciting season and really interested to see how like the quarterback play of Caleb Williams elevates a team that's not as talented as Georgia around them and kind of flattens out, as you said, the playing field. And and we could have the four blue bloods in the playoff at the end of end of December. We could have kind of four teams that are in the mid teens right now. Yeah. For for me, Ian, I actually like the note I have written down, in kind of our lap outline here is like the funny part about about where we are from a college football landscape standpoint is you have some really top tier elite quarterbacks leading some pretty good teams, and then you have elite teams, teams with elite defenses and elite skill position players, being led by unknowns or good quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. So to me, I'm looking at a team like um, a North Carolina or a Florida State. Um, who is being, or a Notre Dame, right, for that matter, who is being led by an elite-level quarterback, J.D. Daniels possibly too, right? Elite-level mm-hmm. quarterback play for a good team that we don't know a ton about the rest of it, right? And then you have, on the other flip side, you have elite teams, teams like um, teams like Ohio State and Georgia, who we know what they are. They're kind of a known entity except at the quarterback position. You know, think about Georgia and Ohio State. They bring back all this all the skill position talent for the most part, the offensive lines are still intact, but in Ohio, in Ohio state, it's still not official whether it's going to be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. And for Georgia, it's probably be Brock Vandergrift, but like, we don't know what Brock Vandergrift is. We've had a mm-hmm. lot of sets in that as of late. So I, I just think it's funny. Like that's the way, um, about Tuscaloosa? that's what we point out. Alabama is another good one. Like I think Alabama fits, fits that Ohio state, Georgia category. Does he go by Ty now? Is he, am I seeing a lot of Ty Buckner? They've taught Ty Simpson. I've heard a lot of Ty and I'm like, come on, what? We rebrand. I think I've heard a lot of Ty as well. I think, I think people are confusing, confusing what they, what they like to go by. 
But no, he's yeah, a, he's I, think, I think Alabama is another one like that too. Deke, call. Quick question. Yeah, just no, I, I, like, do you guys want to see Buckner start? Like, do you want to yes. see? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I do. I do. Let Tommy go down with this ship. <laughs> the true Trojan horse. I, I like that theory. Tommy, we sent him down there to take down Nick Saban. And it very well may happen. That, that's one storyline I'm really looking forward to. If Alabama goes eight and four, Reese is out the door. Somehow Saban's on the hot seat. You know how they are down there. But like honestly, I do think this season's more wide open than many of the years past. Like you said, Tom, like there's the okay teams, the very good teams with elite quarterbacks. And then there's a roster like Georgia or Alabama where quarterbacks are question mark. There's no complete team in college football. I don't think you will see many teams running the table this year. There might be one, maybe two. Um, you know, getting into that, like, you know, I, USC, you know, they have a tough Pac-12 schedule. They got Washington. They got Oregon. They got Utah. They got Notre Dame. I don't think they go through all of those. Like, usually you would say, okay, it's USC in the Pac-12. They got it easy. Michigan, they have the easiest schedule of all of them. Georgia, too. But once again, it's the SEC gauntlet, and you have a huge question mark quarterback. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, I, do I still think it's going to be familiar faces in the playoff? Yes. I haven't, you know, fully locked in who I want. I got some ideas, but you know, like that's because it's just so wide open. Yeah. I think it, so when we'll get to it when later in the season, when we have, when we have more, it, more episodes in this, but I think the month of November in the pac 12 is going to be really, really fun. Probably be a last hurrah for a lot of these teams, but the way the schedule worked out, um, like Oregon, Utah, USC, and Washington are all playing each other in between the first week of November and Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving week will be rivalry week, but, you know, mix UCLA in the mix as well. But the top of the Pac-12 will almost play like a round-robin playoff elimination-style bracket uh, through the month of November, which will, which will be really, really fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it'll be good to have West Coast football mean something again here. Mm-hmm. So who do you think the best player in the country is going to be? Who's going to take on the Heisman? Is Caleb Williams going up there with Archie Griffin? I mean, we've seen a ton of great players come through. I have a great you know, freshman, sophomore, even junior season come back. No one's ever done it twice since the 70s. I think he's the best player in college football, but are we going to get a little NBA factor here where you know you kind of get MVP fatigue? Sure. Slab, I'll, you let, I'll let you lead this one off. Um, I think – I think the chalk says the chalk says it's Caleb Williams. I think that that there's a, I think the chalk is probably correct in that. Like that's who should be the odds on favorite. And I think it's his probably his trophy to lose. As much as I hate to say it, I, like, I don't want to give much much like I don't I ever ever want to utter JJ McCarthy's name or Michigan's name. Like you got to give credit where credit is due. He's a baller. I think my like, if I had to pick a dark horse. I love Jordan Travis. I love his game. I love, I've loved him the last few years. I think he's got really good weapons on the outside. Um, they bought some kids in from the transfer portal. They got the big tall receiver, Johnny something. I'm forgetting his name. Um, but like Florida State making some noise. It would, it would take a full team effort that you know you need probably need Florida State at 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. But mm-hmm. I think Jordan Travis is an extremely dynamic football player. Um, so I would. I think he'd kind of be like my dark horse pick, but it's tough to not say Caleb Williams, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, it is chalk, and he's an incredibly good player with incredibly good weapons, and probably the biggest weapon of all is Lincoln Riley as his head coach. Like, that dude is going to dial up 
a Heisman, like a Heisman offense for him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out some other names that I think could be in the mix. Shout out our newly engaged boy, Sean O'Brien, because I'll do this one for him. The experience of Bo Nix is like, if they could do something in Pac-12, I think he could be around because he's played a lot of football um, mm-hmm. and could put up some like just ridiculous TD numbers when he carries the ball in. I'm going to believe the hype, not of him, but of his of Josh Heupel. Like Joe Milton could put up some ridiculous numbers with Tennessee. Um, I see did those think- story floating around that he can throw a football 90 yards. 90 yards. Yeah. I mean, like, like let's get some video. It's not AI doctored before I believe a man can yeah. throw on 90 yards. Um, but I think he's could put up some crazy numbers in that offense. Um, and then I'm also going to go back to the experience of potentially Kyle rising or what's the name? Nope. Cam Cam rising. Rising. Sorry, Cam you got to get the head coach and the quarterback. Coach yeah. State. Sorry. Well, Cam Rising's been around for what six years. Like he's played a lot of good football. If he stays healthy, they can put up his numbers. And then, sorry, down on my last one, I can repeat Marvin Harrison Jr. If it, if he could have a really good year, people are gonna. I don't. I think he's gonna win. I don't think he's like wow, but I could see him in New York. I know we hate Michigan. Blake Corum is going to put up some silly numbers on the ground, especially against their schedule in September and October. And my true dark horse. If you subscribe to the theory that Texas is back, is that Quinn Ewers can really throw Ooh, the ball around? Love that. I, love I, I that. think the first half of the Texas Alabama game last year, when he was single handedly keeping them in the game, if he can return to that form, I mean, it's a Big 12 schedule. Like, they're going to air if it they, out. If they beat Bama and Tuscaloosa week two, week three, two. it's week early. Two? Yeah. Like, two. that that hype train is going to escalate immensely. And he'll be like, yeah, might put the future down. down. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, to me, that future, out. yeah, that future is that future is betting them at plus money to win or plus a huge number right. to win the Alabama game. Ex- exactly, right. and then you could ride that the rest of the way. He's a very talented, very talented guy, and Sarkisian. Yeah. That's my. I know I'm harping on coaches, but like, Slav, you said JJ McCarthy, Donna, you said Blake Corum. Like, I just don't believe in Harbaugh offenses to get a player yeah. to Heisman. I agree. Um, the only the only other name I think is worth mentioning. Well, there's two other names. Uh, the first one is is um, uh, my God, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Obviously, he's our guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think I don't think it's realistic. However, if he did have a Heisman season, I think we'd be it'd be a little reminiscent of what we saw in 2012. You're just like catching lightning in a bottle every yeah. every week. You have a Heisman candidate who's playing out of his mind. Uh, team for a team that's probably not supposed to go 12 and out. Um, and then the other one uh, who's worth mentioning, um, and it's unfortunate because I think his coaching staff and talent around his team, around him, is probably going to hold him back as well, uh, is Drake May. Um, yeah. I think he flat out balls, um, and he's an NFL ready quarterback. And I think that, that uh, he's, he, he'd be another really good option if North Carolina was going to be a better football team this year. Yeah. So there's probably one more thing, you know, we want to touch on before we really dive into the meat and potatoes of this upcoming Notre Dame football team. Uh, one of the things in the news is kind of, you know, drowned out amidst all the conference realignment stuff is we got 10 more years of Under Armour polos in the bookstore. You guys pumped about that? It was very funny that they really treated this like a Friday news dump. Like it, it was, was like, 
it was with all the conference realignment. We're just going to announce this on Friday, you know, Friday afternoon that we've done a 10 year extension with Under Armour. Listen, from a polo standpoint, I actually right. don't mind. I, I, I wear Under Armour polos often. I think they're good golf polos. I like wearing them to work. Um, and you still keep the other main, you know, your other polos, your Johnny O's, Peter Millar's, you know, and things like that. So from that standpoint, I actually don't mind. Um, I'm a little disappointed. As a fan, I thought there was a, I thought there was a chance um, that we were going to Nike or Jordan, but I, from like what what I've heard is it just really wasn't on the table with the size of the offer that on that Under Armour made. Basically, it came down to Notre Dame was just another school for Nike, and for Under Armour, Notre Dame was the only school like we it had, it had to have them, um, and they probably overpaid uh, by by a large by a large margin. So. Um, it's frustrating because fans, coaches, players, more so important to me that the coaches and players have stressed that they that Nike would be helpful from a equipment standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, um, but ultimately their opinions got ignored. But I, I can't really blame Swarbrick or whoever ended up making the final decision, whether it was the trustees or whatnot. Um, it was a large, large, large sum of money, and I think it dramatically outweighed the money you're going to get from Nike. Um, there's a price to pay for staying independent, and that might have been it. So, and certainly yeah. a big chunk of it. Yeah, yeah. The decision was made for us. Echo a lot of what you said, Slav. Like, it, it wasn't really ever an option. Like, we had to go to market with it, but the open market. But like, we were always going to go back to Under Armour. Um, yeah. Is what it is. I think it's probably more harmful for basketball recruiting. Yes. Else, I agree. Which yes. is a bummer. There's like mm-hmm. no Under Armour circuit. All the best players play EYBL. Then like that's at least two thirds. And there's a third on Adidas and no one's doing the Under Armour stuff. Like they've, I think they've like almost completely gotten out of that part of the game. Well, yeah. Which just makes it harder to recruit to, you know, South Bend, Indiana, in the place where, you know, we're starting from the bottom already. We, we don't have to touch on basketball, but it's, no, I mean, but it's it's unknown. We talk about this whole thing. Um, yeah. But their first, I, I mean, I kind of like the alternates. I was going to ask, what, what, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts of the two alternates that we've had released of last week or two? Are the green? I, I would have wanted. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I like the green. I, I like the yeah. green, white or gold pants. I think you get a little more pop there. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the color rush in like you know. Yeah, non like white or black or like something you know kind of monochromatic colors. I guess the color rush is monochromatic, but you know it's um. Yeah, I thought I thought it's okay. It's an upgrade on what we had in the past. I don't know how they ever let the jerseys with blue numbers ever come to market. Uh, and then the the Dublin jerseys, you know, I don't think they had to do it. You know, I would have liked to see you know white with green numbers, gold trim. That would have been sick. But, you know, if you're just doing a, you know, small play on what we already have, I like the Gaelic trim. You know, you didn't have to go over the top for those. And I, I think those look good. No, I think they look sharp and and, and you got a match from Navy. Like, like Navy's also got mm-hmm. a similar design on the sleeve and stuff. And I think it keeps it classic, right? To me, that was never going to be the game to have jerseys for, right? I was looking forward to the jersey reveal for whether it be Ohio State or USC. I think to the to that point, I am also not a huge fan of the green on green. It's growing on me. I like it. I think that jersey is going to look great on us with 
you know, khaki short, you know, tan colored shorts or blue color, like whatever you want to pair it with. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it, that's great. what it's about. That's what it's right. about. That's what's we important. And the last. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna wear green shorts or green pants to match it exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think end all be all. I've made my I've made my opinion pretty clear on this. Is that I don't think I'll actually ever be pleased with these green jerseys until we see the Brady Quinn, Jimmy Clausen era, dark green top, light gold bottom. Yeah, pants, and um, we may never get there, and, and, and that's time. that's that, that's unfortunate. But like, that is the jersey for me if we're gonna wear green jerseys. But the last time we were in Ireland, those were clean. Those were really they were clean. Like, uh, I mean, they those looked really, really good clean. when Theo Riddick was just in the end zone all day long. Yeah, that was fun. And you got the uh, Notre Dame glo- like the the Ireland gloves. Yeah, too, with so. the yeah, yeah, those were sweet. Yeah. I agree. So, should we get into it? Let's do it. Talk some actual Notre Dame football. Let's we've got one of the two main. We've got one of the two main polls coming out today, or I guess it was yesterday. The coaches poll. We sit at number thirteen in the country as of today. We'd be just on the outside looking in with a twelve-team playoff. What do you guys think? Too high? Too low? Just right? What has Washington done to be above us? Is yeah. my question. Um, that was kind of the the most surprising team above us. They uh, maybe I'm just not paying attention, but like I know they were like kind of solid last year, but they haven't done much as of late in the last couple of years to justify a ranking that high, in my mind. Yeah, t- like to me, I I don't. I think that like number aside, I don't think Notre Dame's done anything to prove that they should be terribly higher than that, right? I'm not a huge fan of some of the teams that landed ahead of them, right? Like I think Notre Dame probably better than Tennessee and Washington. I think Texas, I think might, I think Texas might be a better team. But like if, if you told me Utah ended up ahead of Notre Dame, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. I just think that they are better than Washington and Tennessee who are, who are also ahead of you. Um, I think overall, I probably would have liked to see them in like the 10 or 11 spot, but um, you know, I don't have I don't have a huge problem. I think if had they fallen out of the top fifteen, I think I would have been clamoring. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Win some football games, and this ranking doesn't matter. It's all ahead of us. As of late, yeah. starting in the top ten has not been beneficial for us. Yeah. So I'm I'm cool chilling kind of on the outside a little bit. I agree. Yeah. Look, Marcus Freeman, second year coach, didn't do anything special. I mean, the Clemson win was nice, but then you got two absolute farts on your resume with. Marshall and Stanford. So I mean, yeah, and, you know, I think the national media is in show me mode, and I, I think the ranking reflects that. But ultimately, we take care of business in September uh, as did we should. We, did we not show them against South Carolina? <laughs> I think Tyler Buckner showed them. MVP accounted for like what six touchdowns if you include the pick sixes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Can't believe that play call was made, and then Pomeroy's got a job with Nick Saban. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. It, insane. But, you know, we take care of business in September. You know, we don't have the toughest September. Uh, obviously, the you know, back end of our schedule does get really tough. Uh, more more so the middle, honestly. But, you know, Ohio State will roll in the South Bend. That'll be a top 10 matchup. You know, that's all you can ask for. You win that game, you know, then people will have no choice but to take those. So, you know, I have, I have no problem where we sit. Uh, I would like to see us go up. I think this is a year where we end higher. But ultimately, you know, 
no problems with where we sit. There's, you know, new quarterback still breaking in new coach, new coordinator on one end on offense, defensive coordinator didn't show that he was elite by any means last year. Um, so yeah, you know, why don't, why don't we just get into that? You know, where do you see, you know, Jared Parker? I think he's the biggest coaching change of this season. Um, do you think he's good enough to lead the offense? Um, I'm going to lead off here because this like is overall, I think the excitement of Sam Hartman has mm-hmm. over shown the absolute yeah. atrocious off season we had. Like we had a bad, bad off season. And Jared Parker is kind of part of that, which is like we lose some key guys, Buckner, Logan Diggs, um, Lorenzo Styles, like lose some recruits. We lose coaches and Tommy Reese and then Harry Heastain, and then we we lose Bayless this last week. Like we had a bad offseason, except for Sam Hartman, which is kind of like shining above that. The other part of it is Gerard Parker was not our number one OC choice. Like we – he was number three at best, like at best. And Marcus Freeman was like hamstrung with budget, but also like maybe his first time going out there and he didn't know time Reese was leaving. Like I am – and seeing what Gerard Parker did at West Virginia, like I'm I'm full in, full in show me mode. Like people are talking about that there's continuity because he can kind of do a lot of the things that Tommy Reese did, but he's got a completely different set of players. Like I, I, I don't want to see any of that really. Like Tom Reese was working with Drew Pine. We have Sam Hartman. Like we were, we could be a lot more explosive. And I don't know if he's the guy to take us there. Yeah, I, I guess I, I would. I don't know if I believe myself, but I think to your point, to play the devil's devil's advocate is like, it's good to get the offensive line, the running backs, and the wide receivers in the same system. Right, you're just going to do things better the second year, and you'll be able to cut some stuff that you didn't like. You know, kind of cut and paste what what you, what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, and the idea that Sam Hartman comes in, you know, he's been playing college football for a while, so the idea is, uh, you know, my idea is that hopefully he'd bring some of his own opinions and his own ideas as well. Uh, but that he'd also be able to kind of adapt to any system at this point, right? As long as there's going to be some aspect of throwing the football, I feel like Sam Hartman would be happy to be a part of it. Um, so I am I am worried. I think I think I haven't really acknowledged that that piece of of, of how, how troublesome this this whole thing was, especially when it was happening. Right, like you don't land Ludwig and you know Reese Bales, and it, it it felt like the world was ending for a second there. Um, but you're right, Hartman did overshadow this a lot. Um, but we'll see. It, it is it is a prove it mode. Um, you have one of the most dynamic players in college football playing quarterback mm-hmm. for you. Um, so you better you better show up with something. It, it does beg the question, like why there wasn't more high level interest in the job. You know, you have Sam Hartman, you have Audric Esme, you have two first rounders at your tackles, you have young, exciting wide receivers. I guess that's kind of was more of a question for you know, outside people looking into the program. And you know, a lot of people didn't know. You know, what we heard coming out of spring ball is that the freshman wide receivers were by far the most like impressive freshman class on the team. You know, those dudes are going to play early; they're going to play often. So with Jerry Parker, you know, he at West Virginia, you know, you don't have the same style of athletes. You're kind of limited almost in, in his sense where he was an OC in the Big 12 to playing that run it, gun it style of ball. Maybe that's not him. Maybe he's a better coach when he can ground and pound it. This is the team to do it. So that that's the optimistic view. Honestly, like I'm more worried about 
Al Golden just because like he seems like an NFL guy. I don't think he stays another year, whether it's you know good or bad. I think he wants to be back in the NFL from everything we've heard. He's not, you know, a killer on the trail, which in today's college football landscape you need to be. It's why it's not no one wants to be in college anymore. And I don't think he's cut out for it. And you look at we had like the 129th best red zone defense in the country. Now, some of that's chance, it's nowhere to go but up. But you know, coaching that that's really the biggest question mark for me going into this season. It's not the players, it's not a position group. There's some battles going on, but from everything we've heard coming out of camp, it's like, you know, maybe there's weak spots at safety or like a new starter or offensive guard, but like offensive guard, you've got Joe Alton, Joe and Blake Fisher on either side of you. The safeties, mm-hmm. you got three senior linebackers in front of you and Ben Morris and Cam Hart. Like you're, you're more insulated from that. I'm more worried about the schematic side of things. Which is, yeah, I think when you're playing Ohio State, a USC, or Clemson, that's what's going to win and lose you games. Yeah, like, sure, nice. Central Michigan, even like the NC States, Dukes of the world, you can out athlete. You know, your yeah. Jimmies and Joes can win you a game. They, we, our Jimmies and Joes won't be able to win us the big games. Like, we're going to need those coaches to step up, out scheme. Like, Al Golden versus Lincoln Riley, he got bundled last year in that coaching matchup. Now, part of it's Caleb Williams. Yeah, that. Sure. Like, but, you could say like Riley Mills also got bungled, but he's just like nobody could yeah. grab that snake. But yeah, um, I I'm with you. Like this is probably the least I'm going to use the word proven, even though I mean talented group of coordinators we've had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like we've had yeah. top guys that we've like felt good about at both ends mm-hmm. for most of the years, other than Al Golden last year. Um, Celeb, real quick, thank you for your offensive line knowledge soothing me that about the system because I always don't know shit about offensive line schemes. So that also that yeah, made me feel that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. The, the only other thing I'd add here on Golden is that this is something that's kind of been echoed throughout some of the articles that we read, whether it was on Irish Illustrated or whether it was the athletic with Pete, right? Like um Golden has chosen to simplify the playbook a lot, right? Like they, his thing was that we're going to throw out a lot. Yeah, you know, he spent a lot of. He said he spent a lot of January and February throwing things out from the playbook. Um, that had to be had to be blitz. the zero blitz, zero safety. Yeah. Blitz. that had to be thrown out from twenty yards deep. If that ever, if I ever see that play again, I'm going to break my TV. The but, leading cause um, of death in America is obesity, and then it's aneurysms that come from the zero safety blitz. <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's really fair. Uh, but I, I think for for me, I, I'm gonna again take the optimistic approach that um, this is both this has been a really big learning off season for both Golden and Freeman, and that's regardless. Of, yeah, I think I kind of agree that this might be Golden's last season Notre Dame win, lose or draw here. But um, the idea that he would he would kind of simplify that playbook to allow his guys to play faster. Uh, rather than having to think so much it is good because that's something that Brian Van Gordon never did, right? If you're going to take lessons from the past, Brian Van Gordon never dumbed it down. He never made it more simple, and you know, it probably cost him a job with with one of the best defenses, you know, from a talent perspective that Notre Dame has had, right? So um, I, I hope that I hope that him simplifying things reflects reflects in, in the way that this defense plays, caused more turnovers, hopefully, because we didn't get one until the third yeah. quarter of North Carolina when Drake May just dropped the ball. Um, but like, yes. So I'll take the optimistic approach to say that Golden has fine-tuned what what's actually going to work, and he's got a more concise play sheet. Um, and uh, we'll get into it. But like, something to be said for having the best corner tandem in in the country. I think. Like, I think it frees up a lot for the rest of your defense. So, 
Um, and the only other thing I'd say too, from a coaching staff standpoint, is it seemed like Freeman has taken took a took a different approach to camp so far from like what you're reading in the post practice reports and what you're seeing on video. Like, obviously, his camp approach needed to change because his team felt a little, despite what happened in Columbus, the team felt a little underprepared in September. Um, so I, I think taking a different approach here. Um, and, and learning from mistakes in the past and not repeating them uh, is important all over the staff. So kudos to both Freeman and Golden from what we're hearing that, that they've both done that. Yeah. Let's get into some specific players here. Go by position group. Sam Hartman is the best quarterback fill in the blank since. This is Jimmy Clausen. I say Jimmy Clausen. I think the answer is Clawson, but if you told if you wanted to say Quinn because you thought Clawson stunk, I'd say it's fair, but you're not you're, you're kind of discrediting Clawson for some of the teams he played on. Yeah, yeah and I, uh, I also could be like revisit history because he was an NFL quarterback, he got drafted, and he wasn't as productive as a college quarterback. But I'm also gonna put some respect on turf toe because he had turf toe basically his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like I, I, think I, so I, I think, you know, you say that, but then, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of flack gets caught on quarterbacks having bad seasons. Deshaun Geyser was really good in 2015. He had really good weapons around him. Yeah, you know, I'm throwing devil's advocate, advocate. I don't think it's true. And, you know, I like to temper expectations a little bit on Hartman. We're talking about a guy who had six turnovers in one quarter. Yeah, that was, a, that was a big thing. Like, he's right. not a godsend, but he's Hold very up. Good. Hold up. He was – Slinging the rock with like no thought at that point, like no offensive line. That, that yeah, was basically. Like, I mean, he was throwing prayers up left and right. And once you throw four, what are what gives a shit about five and six? You know, like yeah. you've already thrown four. Yeah. Like just who cares? Yeah, I, I think him having the weapons around him, running game, like he was running like not necessarily a high school offense, but like the college version of like the wing T in high school. Very. I'm down, not kind of gimmicky running the slow mesh, but it, it wasn't the pro style offense that I think Notre Dame intends to run, where you know you can rely on your running backs a little bit. You have outlets at tight end, you know, we'll be lining up, you know, two tight end, three tight end sets, and then go four wide. You know, the variability of the offense, at least the options, I have no clue what Jared Parker will do. But I, I think opening up for Sam, you know, in his one year audition to become an NFL quarterback. I, th I think he's set up well to have you know success. Will his numbers rival Wake Forest? Probably not, but that's because Notre Dame will have a well-rounded offense. Yeah, I could see his I could see his touchdown numbers being oh maybe I'm wrong, but I could see his touchdown numbers being up with that his yards being crazy high. Yeah, I don't think he'll mm -hmm. I, I don't think he'll throw for five thousand yards this year because I don't think this offense the the other complementary pieces in the offense are not conducive to doing that. Right, like you're not gonna starve estimate of carries and i think our big estimate is going to carry the rock over 200 times so that'll, that'll cut into some passing plays um so i think that yards total will be down but i wouldn't be shocked um i really i really think he, he can be a dynamic red zone player for us as well and like he kind of proved that in the spring game with his first touchdown was a run right like buckner and pine had that but not really not really the way that he had that so i, I think i think he has another you know dynamic piece to the red zone offense for us yeah well it's like Buckner had that. Buckner's an incredibly talented runner, but his inability to be a threat through the air takes a lot of that away. Like, like, yeah. like Hartman is threat, like can score from the red zone is because you got to drop seven or eight to cover every inch because mm -hmm. he'll put it, mm -hmm. you know, he'll put it in the thread of needle. So 
That's mm-hmm. what I'm excited about him. Um, basically, my thing with him is that we are going to be able to reach our full potential with him as our quarterback. Like we are unlocking every other position because of his talent at quarterback, which in the past we have not been able to do, right? Like, like Michael Mayer was still incredible, but imagine Michael Mayer with a quarterback that could throw to his wideouts. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. and not get triple covered every time. You know what I mean? Like incredible lines, but you know, you could stack eight in the box. Like we are going to be able to do a lot of other things just because he can capitalize on the other opportunities, which is what I'm most excited about. Yeah. I, Ian, I think that's such a good point too. Like I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I could think of two different plays where like a rod, the pass catcher had to go catch the ball off the defensive backs back because the, yeah. the ball was so short. <laughs> Thomas did against Navy. And I think Mayor Lindsay did it against Navy. And then I think Mayor did it in Vegas. I want to say he did. Yeah. Like, yeah. Imagine if you could give, I mean, Lindsay ended up scoring, but that was a ridiculous play. Imagine you give Mayor some room to run and he could finish the play at the last 15 yards at the end zone, 20 yards at the end zone. Like, that's a very good point. Going to unlock a lot more here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just, you know, if we if Hartman gets hurt, let's pray he doesn't. I don't think we have a ton of depth behind him, almost no snaps. Um, let's just pray that doesn't happen. Question for you guys: Like, how do you compare Hartman? And I know the offenses are entirely different, but how do you compare Hartman to Book? It's better passer for sure. I think Book obviously was just a gamer, but he's like mm-hmm. now he's a three year NFL vet at this point. Like, we got to put some respect yeah. in Book's name, like. What would you compare Hartman to? And I don't expect Hartman to play in the NFL, to be honest. Yeah. And so I mean, if are we are we not expect are we expecting him to meet that production? Production, yes. So I, I think they so one one thing Ian Book did really well is went on third downs, make winning plays, it was him escaping mm-hmm. the pocket, finding a guy downfield. Now did he but that's probably because he was locked in on one, maybe two guys, he misses, he scrambles, eventually mm-hmm. finds a guy open when he extends that play five, six seconds. What Hartman can do, and especially behind our offensive line, is stand in the pocket, get to his number three or four read, and make a play there. So I think they'll be able to win on third downs, which is obviously very crucial, move the ball downfield, just in different ways. Like Hartman's not going to be the guy running around like like Book did. Like they're both like he has the ability to, but that's not his game like it was for Book. Yeah. To me, to me, you're gonna lose to quote the longest year, you're gonna lose some of that schoolyard bullshit that you had with mm-hmm. with uh with Book. I think you'll have very. I think you'll have similar production. Like I think, I think they're both going to end up being outstanding Notre Dame quarterbacks. I just think it'll look different in, in the way that we we get there. Um, and D, I do more traditional. I, I agree. And D, I do agree. I do also agree in that we should pray um, that you know Sam Hartman stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, however, this might just be have you know people having to say this. We have yeah. heard that Angeli has really locked down that number two spot. Um, and as a Northeast guy myself, I wanted to make sure that his name gets mentioned. So, friend of, friend of think, the friend of the program, think, the links. Let's go. Um, I do think there'll be some times where, like, we'll just like be like, Sam Hartman made what throw? Like, that's why he had six picks, like in good and bad ways. Like, he's gonna make some ridiculously good throws, but I don't think he's like gun shy from what I've seen. And that could just be him at Wake, where like they're just airing it out. But like he. He's gonna, you know, let that thing sink a little bit. Yeah. 
We'll be some, there'll be some what the like WTF throws, but it's not going to be like a Drew Prime WTF like that thing was going twenty five miles an hour sideways. <laughs> it's going to be you're fitting it into a like super yeah. tight window. We'll yeah. still say it. Uh, it it's just going to look a little prettier. Right. I've um, seen I've seen some yeah. Drew Pine spirals that look like they came off the foot of a kicker during an onside kick. Yeah. Uh, kind of spinning spinning the absolute wrong way. But sorry, you had the running backs. Yeah. So I'm saying probably my favorite player to watch on this year's team, easily, Audrey Gastame. And, you know, we're saying we can't afford an injury at quarterback. If there's probably one position group on the roster that has depth, obviously you don't want to lose Estime. He's the workhorse, the bull, the guy that's, you know, hopefully a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, it's probably running back. But, you know, we're really deep there, really great room. Like, you know, we'll lean on them. Like, hopefully that like there will be games where, like, you know, we just lean on them. Hopefully they can just win the game almost by themselves behind the line. Yeah. I was okay, man. You go. I was really disappointed to lose Diggs. Um, I really thought he was a really talented runner and a great change of pace. But it sounds like we've got some dudes in the pike. Like um, we'll go through some names here and slab. I'll I'll give you that duty. But like, I kind of don't want to see Devin Ford ever. Like I don't know. Like. I want to see him on special teams, but like we've got some young guys that I hear I'm hearing incredible things about. I don't know what's true or not, but like JD Price and Jeremiah Love seem to be getting some ridiculous praise. Yeah. So I so like you said, the Audrick should be the number one, and he's gonna be the every down back. And I think he's gonna end up with north of two hundred carries. He might end up with two for two hundred and fifteen carries. But my point being, like, do we need him to have that many carries? No, but I think he will end up anyways. Sure. Um, I think, 12 I think games, a little less than 20 a game. I think he'll be the bell cow for sure. Um, yeah. And, we don't need to overwork him because especially like I think he gets, you know, maybe he only has like 10, 11 carries going into the fourth quarter. Then you start using him as the hammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that would be awesome. Fresh. That would yeah. be awesome. Him fresh in the fourth would be a dream come true. Yeah. It, it, and, which is the best part of this room, in my opinion. It's like mm-hmm. he doesn't need to like – have 20 carries going into the third yeah. him fresh in november would be huge him fresh yeah. in the fourth quarter against clemson could be huge right so mm-hmm. um that, that's a good point but ian like you said there's plenty of i think there's plenty of talent behind him um i'm actually going to disagree and say that i think devin ford may provide some value just being someone who's been who's been around the game a little bit longer than jd price and jabrian mm-hmm. Payne, jeremiah live love like I've heard he's been really good in pass, bro. Um, okay. He could be a decent third down back, right? So, um, but I, I think to your point, what we loved about Diggs was a bit of a change of pace back. I think that your change of pace back, from what it sounds like, is Jeremiah Love. Like people are saying that he is the fastest guy in the field right now when they're running sprints and stuff. So it, it would be really cool to see him get some touches. But honestly, you know, I think Audric's your obvious number one. But behind him, I think you kind of have a 2A and a 2B with J.D. Price and Devin Ford, and then you kind of have a 3A and 3B with pain pain and love, right? I don't think we're going to see a ton of pain and love, um, but even if they give you, you know, they could each give you 10 or 15 snaps for the season, but the 10 or 15 that love get could be really important. They could be those jet sweeps. They could be those, um, you know, shovel passes or screen passes or whatever that end up hitting big because of his, his game-breaking speed. Yeah, speaking of that, we did lose one player uh, other than Diggs, obviously from the receiver or from the running back room to the receiver room. Um, you know, maybe not the biggest storyline coming out of the receiver room in the spring and fall, just given the emergence of the freshman. But 
Chris Tyree's looking like he's going to be our starting slot receiver. Um, personally, a lot like a lot of things on this Notre Dame roster, I'm kind of in the wait and see show me mode. But other than that, like uh, th- this room is the most intriguing on offense to me, at least. You said intriguing, huh? Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Yeah, no, intriguing. High ceiling, low floor. Yeah. Um, Slub, I'll, I'll let you go because I'm, I'm a little undecided. I'm probably lower on the ceiling than our boy D is a little bit, and I don't want to always be, you know, the negative Nelly here. Um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be positive and, and on this one again, and I think this is, this all has to do with the fact that we're closing it on football, and I'm just really excited, and I, I'm gonna look at all of this with, with the rose rose colored glasses, but. Um, Chris Tyree moving in the slot is something that's very exciting for me. It's it'll be nice to have a true slot that the teams know what he's doing, right? They, they think they would it suck you say he caught over ten thousand balls in the offseason and making that number up. Um, like closer, that is closer to twenty. Closer like to twenty thousand. Yeah, eighteen thousand balls that he caught in the offseason transitioning from running back to uh receiver. And I already thought he was a good pass catch out of the out of the backfield, right? Like, like there mm-hmm. was already some natural skill set there. So I'm excited about Tyree. Um, outside of that, D, like you mentioned, there's there's some really interesting, to me, intriguing freshman talent um, that if it hits, it'd be great. Like, if you had another Ben Morrison, that only have to have one, but if you had another Ben Morrison in wide receiver room, and I'm not saying you're going to get it. Like, I think Ben Morrison is different. But if you had somebody, a young guy who could pop out, whether it be Jaden Greenhouse or Rico Flores, like, those guys seem to be playing very good ball as well. Um, and then ultimately, I think – who somebody who might end up being my favorite player on the offense for the whole year is going to be Jaden Thomas. Um, having that big body wide receiver on the perimeter, um, and he's made some circus catches already. That 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 one catch on the sideline from the stadium, and yeah. The first Getting the toes down, getting the toes down, that's pretty impressive. Man, that that had me feeling some type of way. So I, I'm I'm going to be a Jaden Thomas fan all year long. I think he might end up leading the team in receptions. Um, he might be that new safety blanket that you don't really have in tight end room right now. Um, so I, I think, I think the group's exciting. Um, I, I'm, I'm, and the other thing too, is like you said, Ian, we're gonna go back to that point with quarterback where you're unlocking things. Sam Hartman's unlocking things. Yeah. This group is going to be one of those groups that gets unlocked because their quarterback is going to throw them open. They don't always, they won't always have to get open by themselves. There's no shot. Drew Pine was throwing anybody open. Tyler Buckner was not throwing anybody open. Sam Hartman can throw some of these guys open and they're just really good athletes. Also shouldn't forget about Tobias, but Merriweather would be good to see that click this year if, if possible. So that's that's where I'll push back on you a little bit with when you talk about Rico Flores and Jay Greyhouse. Like Tobias Merriweather did not see the field last year because he had no clue what was going on with the offense. And so mm-hmm. like yeah, you said Jar Parker, like hopefully these wide receivers can pick this up a lot quicker. But like we when was the last time we saw a freshman wide receiver have an actual significant impact is why I'm skeptical. Like it's hard for receivers to come in get the offense, know all the checks, know all the signs, and be effective right away. Also block effectively. Like they gotta they gotta bulk up a little bit. I personally high I'm high on Chris Tyree. Um he's been around long enough to know and like I think he'll be huge for this team. I think Jaden Thomas is kind of the only thing we know. Like as you said, I think he's a, a significant athlete, but if that's like our our known piece in the receiving core, that's a huge question mark for me. Um, and I think that could be that this is the group that could hold this team back. I think. Yeah. Like I said, high ceiling, low floor. 
lot, lot, lots of intrigue, lots of guys who could step up, become big time player makers, like you said, Merriweather. And, you know, I, I think, Tom, you touched on this with Jaden Tavis. He becomes that safety blanket because I don't think we have that, the tight end position. Obviously, lots of talent. It's Notre Dame tight end room. Real quick, who's so who starts at it's Merriweather, it's Merriweather, Thomas, Tyree, or does like Salerno get snaps? Salerno's gonna get snaps. Yeah, Salerno's I know he gets snaps, but like he's not starting, right? Like he's not running with the no, ones. He's not starting. He's he's running with the twos, he'll play a lot. Or a lot in quotes. But you know, he's you know, lunch pail guy, does his job, knows all the checks, coaches son, you know. Um but yeah, tight, tight end room, it's a, it's a question mark in terms of who's going to play. I, I think, you know, Notre Dame kind of just like creates this atmosphere. Obviously, the OC being a tight end coach, which you don't see too often, they're going to get involved. There's a lot of weapons there. It doesn't seem like you know, a couple players have emerged, but, you know, I think you'll see up to like four guys making plays there. You know, stays, holding stays. He's like, you know, guy from Georgia, Atlanta, kind of in that Tommy Tremble mold where he's a little more athletic and get downfield. Eli Raritan, kind of same thing where, you know, he almost, he split out wide a lot in high school where he's six six can go down the field and catch it. Then you have Mitchell Evans, as long as he's not doing QB sneaks where the entire country knows what's coming. Um, he's more, you know, the blocking guy than Kevin Bowen. Hopefully he's fully recovered from his injury. Um, you know, it, it, I'd say it's a solid room. It's not going to hold us back. It's not going to be a difference maker like we had with Mayor last year. It, they'll be difference makers. They'll be they'll make plays, but it's not going to be. They're not going to game plan around our tight end room. I would say. No. I, I I'd say that this tight end room at the top will kind of resemble what we saw with Tommy Tremble and Brock Wright. In that, like, I think Mitch Evans, Mitchell Evans can be that Brock Wright, really good inline blocker. Like, you'll want to have him attached to the formation. Um, and he'll really help the run game, and he, you know, he probably has the skill to be that to be that pass threat. I'm curious if he, if he'll actually be used uh, more than Brock was in the passing game. Um, but then I think the player, one of the players I'm most excited about on on, on the offense, do you touch on it? Is Holden Stays, who is from Westminster. He went to Westminster in Georgia, um, and he does have a lot of tremble to him, and that he's big, physical, but he's he's more of that pass catcher. Then he may, you know, then he is that like run game blocking tight end. Um, so it'd be nice to see those two complement each other um, and 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 be used, you know, in a two tight end set. But they def they definitely have different jobs on the play. Um, and then, like you said, I, I think Reardon will be good. I I'm worried about Kevin Bauman. Um, I'm just listening, yeah. listening and reading too much about him staying in the pit, not being able to get completely healthy. Um, I'm, I'm worried about that knee, and, and that would be really unfortunate for a kid out of Jersey at a Red Wing Catholic. Like I would be, uh, who I think had all the talent in the world and, and could have been really, really good if if this if this if this knee injury ends up nagging him and, and keeping him off the field. I'll be pretty bummed for him because I think he could have been really good. But I haven't heard much good news from a progress standpoint. Yeah, I think you guys said it all. Um, solid group again. I have questions about the wide receiver group, but I don't really have questions here. I kind of think we know we're going to we're going to get out of them. Um, if they develop a good thing with Sam Hartman, all the better. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you said you know moving just forward. Slide your favorite group on the team, the big uglies. New coach Joe Rudolph. See a positive and a neg negative, and also over or under one point five first round draft picks coming out of this group. Uh. I think Blake Fisher's going to – I think oh, Joe Walt's going to be a top 10 pick, might be a top yeah, five a pick, depending on how it goes. I think Fisher will, can 
10 and should play himself into a top 10 into I'm sorry into a, into a first round pick. I don't think he'll be top 10, but I think he's got great size and he's got good hands and he's got good feet. Like I think he could be a, a later in the first round kind of guy. Um, as far as the, the line of the hole, I think Joe Rudolph seems to have had a positive influence. It's definitely a different coaching style than they saw with Jeff Quinn and especially different from what they saw with Um But it's been, this has been a really interesting one to follow through, through early camp and through the spring in that Rocco Spindler and Christophic have really, really been battling it out at right guard. And I guess the good, like to me, I'm going to predict that Christophic's going to win it and he'll be the guy who starts at Navy, but I wouldn't be shocked if that changes hands later in the season and ends up being Spindler. From what we've heard, Christophic is um, more like technically sound, right? He's more technically sound, knows the offense a little bit better, won't blow, um, won't blow a protection. Whereas Spindler is still figuring a lot of that out, still a little raw from like a knowledge of the offense standpoint. However, he's far more violent um, with his hands and, and the way he, you know, he is at the point of attack. So um, it'd be it'd be nice if either of those guys could put both of those pieces together. But it sounds like right now, um, each has their strength and each has their weakness. Um, I think what they're going to value because of the talent they have at, at both position at both tackle positions and. Zeke Krell at center is I think they're going to value a guy who's not going to blow blow play up, who's not going to um, miss miss uh, an assignment or, or miss protection. So I think it'll end up be Kershawik, especially against a pretty solid Navy front seven. Um, but yeah, uh, I think this will this will be an interesting one. That I think will probably end up on the two deep the week of the game, having an or next to it. Yeah. Um, you know, hand up. This is where the the, the least amount of research went in for me. I refer to my boy Slev there. Um, would love to see some Billy Shroff at some point. Yeah, um, he's a guy I didn't touch on, but he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna end up playing left guard. I think that, that, that was my start. answer to over one point five first round draft picks. I think Billy Shroff he'll get there. Yeah, okay. I think down the line he'll get there. Yeah, I I'm not sold on Blake Fisher quite yet. I mean, I I think he's a great player, yeah. but like I don't I don't think we can pin the first round label yeah. on him just yet. Um. There's no dumb shit, and I'm fine with it. You know, don't get yeah. our quarterback killed. We're chilling. Yep, do that. Put some people on their butts in the fourth quarter. D D. One I'm more happy. thing here. Did you did you hear uh, Emil Wagner is also taking snaps at guard? Yeah, I think Ooh. it's just to get him reps. I think so too. He, he's six six two eighty eight. He's not built like a guard. I no, think it's just like he's got a dude. Getting any it. quarterback is going to be blind if he's at guard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, but, like he's a future tackle. He'll he'll play tackle next year. Yeah, I I like him getting, getting some first team reps from an experience standpoint, but I think I don't mm-hmm. think he'll end up being it. I think if you if you're gonna have a top six, which you which you had you had had that top six offensive line thing, you know, the last time we won the Joe Moore Award, where Haynes was kind of that all purpose guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think Rocco Spindler to start the season will be our sixth man. I think this O line should be a Joe Moore Award finalist if we're the Rangers. They have to be. I agree. Um, yeah, well, let's flip it over. Ian, question for you: Is this the year Riley Mills takes the jump? Dude, yes, yes, it is. Um, okay. I think it is the year he takes the jump because he's got no damn choice but to take the jump. Like yeah. it, he's he's got to be a guy. Um, J- John Baptiste has got to be a guy. Like um, I do think what was holding Riley Mills back was probably just a lack of snaps, like a lack of total snaps. Mm-hmm. I think his production this year will be fantastic. Um, he gets after it. 
that like my thought with this line in general is like we really need somebody to step up big time because we've got a bunch of really good guys, no great guys, and you need a great guy. We've had great guys for the last five years. Right. It's been fun. Um, I, and I, I don't know where that's coming from, and I'll, I don't think uh, it's Patello. I think Patello might have his head up his ass a little bit, and I don't think he's going to be able to do it this year. Would I'd really like it to be Patello. I would love it yeah. to be Patello. Maybe, honestly, no, I wouldn't say his face. like, is Leofau an option? Because he moved down to Viper, right? So Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, what the approach here has been, at least from a schematic standpoint, is no, you don't have a guy like Isaiah Foskey or Julian O'Quarra that you can line up on the edge or on all three downs. And, yeah, the guys like that, and even, like, Jameer Jones, like, guys stepped up. And maybe this is, you know, where you put it on Al Golden and Al Washington – it's saying find creative ways, you know, on third and eight, third and nine to create pressure. I mean, maybe it's lining Jalen Snead, Lua Fowl on the edge to create pressures. You know, it you know, kind of stinks that, you know, you can't really generate that on, you know, you'll have to do it eventually on those first, second downs, you know, create a sack out of nowhere, putting offense on their heels, third and 18. But, you know, I, th I think this is really a unit where the whole has to be greater than the sum of its parts because the sum mm -hmm. of its parts right now is not – you know, striking to me as coming off paper as, you know, a group, because all teams that have won titles last five, 10 years, they've had great D lines. That's like a common theme. It's, you know, either an unbelievable roster like Georgia the last two years, where, you know, Stetson Bennett can win the title, you know, where they do have a great D line, or it's a great quarterback and a great D line. Think back to the Deshaun Watson Clemson teams. It's that, that's what can win you a title. And, you know, I think, at least on defense, that's the biggest hole I see right now. Um, you know, maybe we someone's need, we need one giant fat guy to come out of nowhere. Yeah, and I don't think we have it on campus. Or Howard Cross to gain like a hundred pounds. Yeah. Howard Cross needs needs a few more inches and a few more pounds. But I will say he's like he's the most. Again, I think we have a lot of good guys on all agree. Howard Cross is the most proven piece of that defensive line right mm -hmm. now. Uh, you be Mills. Ryan Mills got after it a little bit last year. Proven, proven for a full season worth of work. Uh, Patello is a, a proven idiot. Does that count? <laughs> I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'm, I'm joking. As well. I'm joking. Uh, just, just joking. <laughs> um, Andy, I think you're right. This is a group. This is a group that I think I'm looking at the depth chart now. We'll probably go nine deep from between a DN nose tackle, nose uh, defensive tackle, and Viper. Um, I think. I don't know, man. Like, I think this is going to be another prove-it group. I could see this group getting a lot better as the year goes on. Like, again, this is this might be a group that's dramatically stronger come November than it was um, in September. I think one of the one of the most intriguing pieces for me here will be not Asof Um Like, I've heard so many really, really good things about him as a leader and and the step forward he's taken as a football player. This will be a prove-it time again. Good time. Um, it would be really nice to see a few of these prove it guys connect. One last thing I want to call out. Um, do you, do you think you sent the video, but I think we all saw it as well from Saturday's practice. Um, Riley Mills was absolutely dogging Blake Frischer in that, in that one-on-one -on -one drill it was very cool. Riley Mills looks big, man. Like I think he's been flipping in between that DN D tackle. Yeah. Put him you know, tackle wait, the wait first position. guy off the bus is his position. Yeah. First, the bus is exactly right. That big big 99 should be the first guy off the bus, no doubt. Um, the way he ragdolled uh, 
Fisher was very cool. I'm excited about him. He's checking at 306. That's a big boy. Big boy. So. And then kind of moving behind them, it's you know three guys that we've been talking about for three years that you know, I guess you can say they may have lived up to expectations. They may not have. At the very least, they're going to be solid. So I, I would say this is the anti-receiver position. Mm-hmm. Low feeling, low floor. Like, you know what you're getting out of J.D. Bertrand. You know what you're getting out of Jack Kaiser. Marist is up in the air. We've heard great things about him, but it's like, show me. But if you're relying on Bertrand and Kaiser, like, I think you know what you're getting. It's very solid. Young guys have some intrigue, but I don't think we should have to rely on them a ton. Yeah, I don't think I have any hot takes here. And, D, I'll throw it back to you because you're the resident linebacker of the group. But, like, I don't want – same thing with Estime. If we don't need Bertrand playing – 60 mm-hmm. some snaps a game. Let's not get him playing 60 some snaps a game, 70 some snaps a game. Like, I hope we have a little bit of depth here just to keep our guys fresh in November because that's where the biggest hole was last year. Like, we just got tired, we got dogged. Mm-hmm. Caleb was able to run circles around their linebackers, too. I, to, to me, I think this this linebacking crew, like, I'm looking at the three, the three starters listed right now, and you got Kaiser with the will, Bertrand with the mic, and uh, leaf out the rover to me, like that makes sense. Like, just thinking about the kind of athletes these guys are, like, I think leaf out is the most dynamic one, and I love him being at rover, kind of being that edge slash backer position. It, it, in rover, I really like. Um, and I, I genuinely think Jack Kaiser and JD Bertrand like, are good football players. I mean, I've been frustrated with them. I, I, I'm frustrated when they have to be the best athletes in the field. Mm-hmm. That's Jalen State's job, right? When well, they, when that. they, when they could sit at the middle and the will linebackers and focus on stopping the run and don't have these deep pass responsibilities, yeah. right? Like I think that's where they can really, really excel. So I agree. Hopefully, hopefully find some depth. I'm not seeing a ton of it on the chart. Nolan Ziegler um, may not be nope. with the team when, you know, it's, it's pretty unclear. We don't, we don't know, but the, you know, behind him, it's J- Jalen Sneed. Uh, Zinter's been, I've heard good things about Zinter. His brother plays at Michigan um, and Drake Bowen. But it's there's not a I ton think, of linebacker depth. You hope these guys stay healthy. Yeah, I hope they stay healthy. Leah Fowles kind of the guy that we need to stay healthy because like those three on the field at some time, they just need to like say like, hey, Marist, hit that guy, and yeah. like, we'll take care. We'll take care of the rest, and he'll just blow yeah. some stuff up. Exactly, and even in today's game, like a lot of the time, in fact, I might even say more than half the time, except when we're probably playing like Navy or maybe some of these Mac schools early on in the schedule. It's only going to be two of these guys on the field. It's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of DBs, which is honestly becoming, you know, a strength of this Notre Dame team. Uh, you know, I guess we can start with safeties and with corners. Safety is probably, you know, another position of question. That there's a lot of guys that I think will rotate through. It's a position where you know we got two transfers in the off season. Um, you're looking for a guy like Xavier Watts, who's finally got a year of safety under his belt. If he can become a star, then I think our secondary is playoff level. Yeah, I, I would agree, man. Like, I said this earlier in the podcast, I'll say it again, and I'm going to scream from the rooftops. I think Ben Morrison and Cam Hart is the best corner duo mm-hmm. on earth right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, that, you know, they, they've boring, been it's a boring name duo, and that's why they get docked. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's and that's fine. We'll let them yeah. fly under the radar. No, but like, people, are saying, people are saying Cam Hart looks like he plays for the 49ers right now, during Cam, mm-hmm. which, is, which is cool. Um, that's a cool thing to be said about one of the corners. And, um to have both of those guys it's like a really nice safety blanket like i said earlier like it encourages it, it can encourage golden to play some more man coverage um and 
and you know that that frees up. It honestly just frees up the rest of the defense, right? It frees you up to send it, send an extra guy home. It frees you up to do some more fun stuff with linebackers, right? When, when you got guys who can who can press and play man outside. Um, as far as up the middle, uh, I'm interested to see what you have in the transfers. I actually don't think we'll see as much Antonio Carter as I thought we were going to originally. I think we'll see a lot more Thomas Harper, who's the kid from Oklahoma State. Um, I think DJ Brown, by no means a perfect football player, but like. He's I played still, a lot of football. He's played a lot of football. He's seen a lot of football, and I think that mm-hmm. that experience may end up helping him. And D, like you said, if, if Xavier Watts can be a could be a dude back there, it'd be really helpful. Um, but honestly, if if we have you know, if you told me that we're going to a dime package or we're going nickel and and you got Morrison and Cam Hart, and then you got some mixture of Watts, Brown, Harper, um, and Mickey or Clarence Lewis or or Ramon, I mean maybe not as much Ramon Henderson, but like. I think if you got six, seven guys that I would trust to play a dime package on third and long, yeah, like I think I think we can do that. I think if Al Golden understands what he has back there and doesn't coach like he's got Ed Reed or Troy Polamalu, like these guys can be extremely solid. You know, yep. if we have a, a system where they need to do their job, we could we could have some really good guys back there. With you on DJ Brown, like he's played a lot of football. And that kind of sparked that thought there because, like, I feel like he got put in some pretty bad situations because of the coaching, because of the schemes. Um, asked a lot of Xavier Watts just in terms of switching positions and having to learn the safety position. So hoping another offseason really helps him. So I think you guys said it all. Um, safety job gets a lot easier when you can just leave guys on islands like that. Mm-hmm. Or some more turnovers too, please. If we hold Marvin Harrison under 60 yards, I will make Starvin Marvin t-shirts. Like the guy. I'll buy, one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy, I'll buy all of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. We need Ben Morrison and Cam Hart to create Starvin Marvin. Um, so yeah, that, that's our roster. Other you know, special teams guy. It looks like Spencer Strader transfers yeah, from just, South Florida. You, Apparently you're just he's gonna gloss him. over teams like that. No, no. Of course Milk's not. back. Milk's back to Wonks. Yeah. Best oh, long snapper bad. in the country. According to Colin, he's got a hose. <laughs> I'm not shocked. Uh, I will say I've heard he's got a good from... arm, Alex. He's got a really yeah. strong arm. Really good arm. Puts it on target every time. Yeah. <laughs> I heard I heard McPherson's kind of a sick athlete from the punter really? standpoint. Well, I think I think he's, he was a soccer player. Yeah, he's also competing at the top of the sprints with like with Tyree, which and, yeah. and and Jeremiah left, which is just some sick stuff out of your pocket. So. Yeah, that's like top of my that's like top of my list of like don't care. Yeah, like, we're not we're not having him take off. No, but it just would be cool to see, sprint. It, it would be cool <laughs> to see him start laying some hits like McAfee. Yeah, look, special day. teams. Yeah, hopefully it's not in the position to win or lose. I think you know the, the kicker job is very important. Punter, you know, it's a position Notre Dame like. That what's been good coming out of camp is no one has said they've been horrible. No, it's a good point. There hasn't been a lot of fuck ups. Which they said Schrader's been very consistent, actually. And then he also easy to him, which is nice. Back to my bad offseason, like losing Brian Mason sucks. Yes, that's he was far and away the best special teams coach in the country. I don't think we're blocking seven points. Yeah, so that's an aspect of the team that we just lose. Um, Mm -hmm. but that being said, we don't have Brian Pullian as our coach, so off the bat, we're better. People forget Brian Polian basically lost LSU a game last year. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, We'd love to see him do it again this year. I think yeah. he's gone. 
Is he Eddie Guy? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Or he's with player personnel now? I don't know. Probably. He's, he's no, no he, had a, he had an emotional Instagram post for someone who just got fired. Oh, okay. My bad. You're out, brother. Yeah. All right. So that's Notre Dame's roster. Schedule, pretty tough. Um, you know, we don't play, we, we only get one of the top ACC teams in terms of Clemson, Florida state, but non-conference, obviously USC. Then we got the big one against Ohio state. You know, I, I think we'll use our weekly podcast to really break every game down in depth. Um, but I don't know what's a successful season for Notre Dame record wise, bowl game playoff. What, what I think like what, what I would be over the moon about, not over the moon, but I'd be really happy about it would be 10-2, and two. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 and 2 regular season. I think I'd be really, really pleased with that. I think that 9-3 and three, you, like should be acknowledged that that would be a step up, especially if your three losses come to, you know, teams that started the season as the 4, 6, and 9. I have a question on your 10 and 2. Would you yeah. rather have two wins against the big three and the loss to one of the other, you know, ACC or whatever teams or 10 and two with two of the losses to two of the big three Clemson, USC, Ohio state. So say um, 10 and two, we beat Ohio state, USC, lose to Clemson and then lose to like Duke. I'd much rather, I'd rather have that as well. I'd rather have that as well. Um, One thing that kind of gets lost in this, which is why I get so upset when I look at Michigan's schedule, like Georgia's schedule is it, it when you have a gauntlet like we have with three top nine matchups? Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, it makes it a lot easier to slip up. Like you <laughs> focus wise, physicality wise, like you're gonna get beat up more. Um, but stepping up in those in two of those three would be awesome. Um, I really like don't know what to think of Clemson. Like, is Clay Kate Klubinick gonna be a dude? Like. Did, did Dabo kind of change his ways on his coordinator hiring, or is he still working with some some high school coaches? They got Garrett Riley. Okay, Garrett all right. Like, yeah. like I kind of I'm I'm kind of nervous that they could just like be back a little bit um, once they fix some things in the coaching coaching rooms. I think in November. I think club needs another year. So that's tough. Like Ohio State, I think is honestly, I think Ohio State is our best chance to win a game. They're going to have a new guy under center week two. I think that's our best shot to steal one of those three. Offensive line is also a little shaky for them right now. So I would say, as all with the offensive line, I need that dude. I need that. You got to get one of the three. Have to get one. Not not getting one would be disappointing. But if you do finish Mm -hmm. nine and three, and you happen to lose those three, it's like. It's okay. understandable, but it's like, yeah. are we really moving forward? Like Eight, going back to two of those, yes, two of those games at home, you gotta nab one of them. Eight and four would be really disappointing, though. Like nine and three would be a minor step forward, ten and two would be a major step forward, eight and four disappointing. Eight and four, you're asking the question as Marcus Freeman yeah. over his head. Yeah. I don't think you change it, but eight and four puts him squarely in the hot seat. Yeah. yeah. Not um, like for the next season. The only other things I call out here, and we don't spend, we weren't gonna break these games down each individually each week. Tricky games against at Duke, at NC State, and at home against Pitt. Pitt gives us fits every time they come to South Bend. Every time, without fail, since you know, oh. since we since we've been in third or fourth grade. 
and, and it's the final, kills, the final Phil Jerkovic right? revenge game. Yeah. The final Phil Jerkovic revenge game, exactly, uh, worth calling out. But then, you know, from a quality of team standpoint, Duke and NC State are both going to be pretty decent teams. Like, NC State loses Devin Leary, but then they get Brendan Armstrong. They're like, that's a, that's a, a decent opponent, right? And, and Duke, remember when we shut my- Brendan Armstrong out, though? Yeah, yeah but also, remember, remember when we were like, Drew Pine sucks, like, we want Brendan Armstrong? And then we yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, no. He just we wanted him at some point. We're like that one. Yeah, hurt. yeah. But uh, and, and the only thing is, you know, don't let Duke fly under anybody's radar. The Elko's done a really good job there. Um, so, they, their yeah. cor- their he's quarterback, good. I forget his name. He's he's like a Wallace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a dude who got it, like beat up a lot last year. Wasn't? Mm-hmm. Was I think the last better football team. The last time Duke had an NFL draft pick at quarterback, they uh, came in the Bam Stadium and beat us. I don't think he. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a, like Riley Leonard is. An, oh, right, he's, right. Not, he's not. Leonard. Yeah. He's not Daniel Jones. No, he's not. He's not. He's but, a tough court. He's a tough kid. Like good quarterback. Yeah. All right. Um, brief. Do you want to do brief Navy preview? I literally only have three points. The, number one being that they don't have. Um, Tandy and Masalolo anymore. Yeah. Uh, he's where been, is he? He went to Alabama. Did he? I don't know. He got like escorted out the door. He's been relieved of his duties at the Naval Academy. Um, and then the only thing I'd say, something to keep in mind for the game is that like they they really confused us up front last year. Uh, their defensive line is strong, and their defensive line and linebackers at all. Their defensive lines are their defensive line and backers. They're veteran guys and they're strong. Um, that'll be the strongest part of their team. So just keep an eye on that. I think we're a lot better in those areas too. And like you said, we can pass the ball. But um, mm-hmm. if there's one thing to know about Navy, one talking point to me about Navy, it's that their front seven is is strong and old. Kenny Matalolo is at UCLA. Nice, good friend. I would say one thing: the triple option you'd rather face in week one than week ten. Totally. Sure. Gives them less time to click. And a week um, off after that. Yep, week off after that. Look, we went up 30 nothing on that same defense last year. Yeah. Like, the windows are there. Like, I, I think back to the game where I think Claypool caught four touchdowns against them. If you can mm-hmm. push the ball vertically, put our better athletes against, you know, the, let, let's be honest, their secondary should not be able to compete with our tight ends, receivers, running backs. Like, sure, they can stack the box. They won't be able to stack the box this year. Just yeah. don't do, like, all the – Dumb. Like watching the second half of that game might have been my least. I don't know. Maybe losing the Marshall and Stanford was worse, but like that second half was like a low point of last year. So just don't do that again. Just are we? Yeah, I, I'd like a little cruise. Is there a line on the game yet? Twenty and a half, I believe. Yeah, we'll cover. Yeah, I was gonna ask. We're covering, right? Yeah, I think that's that's like one of the easier like covers we might have all year. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. we're kind of undervalued in that spot. A lot of question marks, but like win by win by a million. It's yep. it's twenty it's twenty right now, straight up on Action Network. So, sure, I think we'll cover. Yeah, I think we win by twenty eight. All right, fellas, that's a pod. pod. Hell yeah. yeah, Tom, I will see you in Dublin. Can't wait. Let's do it, Ian. As always. Cheers. All right, fellas. Let's have a season. Have fun, boys. Have fun. See See you, guys.